0: Hi, and welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Susan Desenzi. Today's episode is going to dive a little bit deep into the world of trauma. And I want to share with you first a disclaimer that trauma can be different for everyone. And while I will be sharing some more of my history and stories around the traumas I experienced as a six-time sexual assault survivor who, as you know from previous episodes, went from survivorship to thrivership and then to simply being an experiencer, I do not want to trigger you to minimize any experience you've had and seen as traumatic and to warn you that if There is any triggering. Please stop listening to the podcast, reach out to someone that you trust or me, whomever, in order to be able to talk about it. Because today's title is Moving Through the Illusion of Trauma. And I want to be very clear that I'm not saying trauma is simply an illusion, it's clearly very real. And I have many stories of my own personal traumas that I could share with you to show that it is clearly real. But what we're going to dive into today is understanding how the traumas can become such an ingrained story that it affects every aspect of our life and that it is really an illusion in that sense. And there is a way to move through it. So if you have suffered through some serious deep trauma. Please know that there is light at the end of the tunnel and I hope and know that some of the things you may gain out of this episode today are the beginning steps to understand how to move through the trauma. Again, if you need to reach out, contact me by emailing me susan at susandecenzi.com and let's have a conversation. I would hate to see you swirling in the feelings and the thoughts of the traumatic experiences you might have had in your life. And I really want to provide some of those tools and skills for you to be able to move through it so that it no longer holds you back. I do hope you enjoy the show today. I facilitated a grief group a while back for one of my clients and their family when they had lost someone near and dear to them. And they were struggling a little bit with the grief process. And one of the participants had a question for me about trauma. And this person asked, you know, what exactly is trauma? Because they had felt some senses of trauma in caring for this person that they loved when this person had drastically changed their um mental capacity their knowingness of that person they were were reacting out of anger and very out of character and it felt very traumatic for this participant and so they asked me is there kind of a definition of trauma and of course you know i could have gone to kind of the dictionary and said oh here's what trauma says is the definition but I, in my experiences personally with my own life and the own traumatic experiences I've had, as well as professionally, what I have found to be more of a truth is that trauma is really any experience that is a bit unexpected and shocking to the system, to the mind, to the body, to the spirit that you then perceive as extremely negative that holds a lot of Kind of um, negative emotion attached to it, like sadness and anger and fear. And so trauma can be really anything. And I used an example for the group of let's say I stub my toe all the time on this one section of a couch every time I walk past it. I'm very aware that I do this all the time. And this is just a hypothetical scenario, so I don't actually do this, but I just want to show you how simple it can be and how complex and deep it can run as well. So I stub my toe. I'm always aware when I'm walking near this couch that I have a history and a past of stubbing my toe there and it is painful. So I'm consciously aware of this and I'm paying attention. But nonetheless, I stub my toe again that couch, that corner, walking past that section of my home can become very traumatizing for me, can become very traumatic because I have this history, right? Every time I seem to walk past this area of the the living room and this part of the couch, I stub my toe and it causes me great pain. Now, that can be as difficult for someone to move through as, say, a different kind of traumatic experience where there is more threat of life involved or more threat of bodily harm. And the one thing that I want to be very kind of cautious about and clear is getting too deep into the deep traumas themselves because that really requires a more gentle kind of movement through okay now in my own life and, oh and and this this explanation helped the participant understand that they were perceiving these experiences very traumatic for them but somebody else within the family who may have experienced some of the same or very similar you know behaviors from this loved one they were caring for may not have seen it as a traumatic thing So it's like, how do we really deal with trauma then? And what exactly can be considered trauma? And how do we begin to move through it? And how is it illusionary? I mean, that's the title of the show today, right? Moving through the illusion of trauma. And it's like, Susan, how dare you say that trauma is illusionary? Well, again, I'm not saying that trauma is illusionary. What I am saying is how we perceive these traumatic experiences, these experiences that have been kind of pulled into our mind, body, and spirit bodies, and then we hold on to it, create, and have the story about it that we keep replaying, how that can be very traumatic to the mind, body, and spirit bodies, and how it can stop us and hold us back, and how we can begin to... Break apart that illusionary nature of that and deal with the facts, deal with the actual instances and experiences that they in and of themselves may have been very scary and challenging and traumatic, but they don't have to carry on through the course of days, weeks, months, and years. Now, one of my areas of specialty through my career has been dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder. And this is a disorder by where people who have experienced a, a trauma are basically kind of reliving it and are always kind of on guard. Very simple explanation. I won't get into the clinical kind of side of it because it's really not, you know, important for our conversation today. And I was a different kind of person when I went through my traumas because while others thought that I should be very stuck in that trauma and reliving it over and over. I didn't. Now, I'm not saying that the six sexual assaults I experienced, the 25 different moves that we had when I was younger, the loss of my precious kitty cats when I was young, the loss of best friends, the loss of family. I'm not saying those things weren't traumatic and didn't negatively affect me. Of course they did. But I was able over time and with a lot of help from others to begin to see those stories and those narratives, those experiences for what they were. And that allowed me the ability to begin the process of learning to move through it. All right, so what exactly can trauma be? Well, I remember when I was about 12 years old, and I may have shared this before. If I did just go with the flow of it, because it's relevant to, you know, this discussion about trauma. Both my cats were ill. And one of the cats was this beautiful, friendly black cat. And his name was Piewacket. My mother loved a Disney movie and named him Wacket from that movie. And he was my best friend. He was my little buddy. He slept with me every single night. He would always paw at my covers and jump up on the bed and wait until I let him in so that he could lay down on my tummy and go to sleep for the night. Now, I don't know if he stayed there the whole night, Uh, But I remember often waking up in the morning and he was there. So maybe he left and came back. Who knows? I was sleeping. And both he and our other cat, Princess, had been basically partners. They had a litter together. They had been together since they were very, very young. And they were a little bit older. And they both got sick. And the vet said, at that time, anyway, this was back in you know the 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 early seventies or mid seventies that the likelihood of them surviving well without each other was not very high, and we kind of saw evidence of this when we had to take Princess to the vet for like a week and pie. Barely ate and barely slept and totally acted differently. And the same thing happened to Princess when Pi was at the vet for about the same amount of time. And so in light of the fact that we were going on vacation, you know, about a month, you know, from that point and the fact that they were both getting sicker and they were both in more pain, the vet recommended that we euthanize them and we do it together. So. We all talked about it as a family. We agreed, as as painful as it was, that that was the best thing for both Pi and Princess. And we took them to the vet. The challenge and the traumatic piece, though, was that at 12 years old, even though I was a bit more mature for my age than a quote-unquote typical 12-year-old, my parents still felt that it would be too traumatic for me to go in with my father when he took both Pi and Princess into the vet and be present when the vet was putting them to sleep. And I actually found that more traumatic, that I wasn't allowed to go in and say goodbye, that I wasn't allowed to be with Pi and Princess at the end of their lives and to let them know in those moments by holding them and loving them how much they were loved and how much they'd be missed. And I was actually very angry at my parents for quite a while after that because I felt betrayed and I felt as though they didn't trust my own judgment as a 12-year-old that I could handle that experience. And so that was very traumatic for me. But it was a different kind of trauma than when I was nine years old and I suffered through number two, three, and four, sexual assaults. That was a very different kind of trauma. And I have to say that, that the trauma I experienced of sexual assault at five was different than the three I experienced at nine, which was different than the one I experienced at 14, which was very different from the one I experienced at 28. Those were the six assaults. Those were the ages of the times I went through those experiences the one at 28 years old, I truly believed I was going to die that night. There was violence and I did not think I would live to see my almost then two-year-old son at the time live. I did not think I would survive and be around for him. And so all six of those experiences, on top of losing my precious little kitties and my best friend, Piewacket, on top of The other experiences I had of maybe, you know, another friend moving away and me not being able to see them hardly ever anymore as a younger person because I wasn't old enough to drive and go visit them. On top of having to change schools and being the new kid so many multiple times that I never felt like I fit in. Although I loved the adventure of moving, I always felt like an outsider. And so that was traumatic too. And so, my point in sharing some of these pieces with you is that I suffered through a lot of trauma if I really look back on it. But yet, the trauma itself, the experiences themselves, weren't what was really holding me back because they were done, right? They were past. The friend moved, my kitties passed away. The assaults happened. All of those experiences were done and over with. And yet I still kind of stayed stuck in some of the stories about them. And when people would ask, you know, about my experiences of trauma as far as the assaults went, I would be reliving some of the experience itself. And I would feel some of that same fear and terror and anger and helplessness that I had felt at that time. But I also felt that way when I was sitting out in the car and my father had taken Pie and Princess in to the vet to be euthanized. I felt helpless and I felt angry and I felt a longing and a missing for what could have been what I felt should have been, that I should have been there with them so they knew how much they were loved and adored. And so in dealing with trauma, you have to be really careful because it took me a number of years before I really got essentially the help that I needed to begin moving through it. Many people up until the 28 year old assault had wanted me to kind of just talk about it and put it in the past, just kind of put it up on the shelf. It's over. It's done with. It's, it's gone. You know, let it go. And as I talked about kind of, I think it was last week's episode about attachments and letting go. It, it's not always so easy to do that. Because you have to look at the meanings of things, right? And you have to begin to feel a different level of comfort. Well, how do you ever get comfortable with suffering through something that's very traumatic, whether it's an assault, whether it's an an abuse of some kind, whether it's uh, losing your home in a fire or a flood or some kind of natural disaster, whether it's losing a child or a parent? whether it's a car accident or something that's shocking and unexpected, I have to be honest that even 21 years ago when my mother passed away from her cancer, I have to admit that even though we knew it was coming and the end of her life was drawing closer, it was still very much a a bit of a shock and a traumatic piece when it actually happened, when she actually took her last breath. It was still a bit of a shock and a trauma to the system, because now there was a finality to it. And so the idea that trauma fits neatly into this kind of box is simply not true. And how to deal with trauma is different for everyone. So for some people, it works by talking about it, and that's the way they process through it. For others, it's using various techniques and uh Coping skills through kind of professional means and providers who provide things like EMDR or cognitive behavioral therapy or, uh, you know, various, various ways in the therapeutic realm that one can move through deep and complex trauma. So, as I kind of was embarking upon this journey of understanding my traumas from a different perspective, as I reached out to others for help, professionals and friends and family, I came to the understanding and the awareness that it had really been the illusionary nature of my lens on how I viewed it. Because again, it boiled down to what I thought it meant about me as Susan, that I had suffered through these traumatic experiences. It was very difficult for me to look at the positives in my life at that point. And it wasn't until, and and again, you may know this this part of my story, it wasn't until that last assault where I came very close to committing suicide a few weeks after the assault, after an argument that my husband at the time my husband that I that I had the husband that I had at the time an argument that we had and he said something that cut me to the core that caused me to write a suicide note to be given to my son who was just turned 2 when he was 18 now that writing of the letter was traumatic too because i was like How can I go on? I'm the six-time sexual assault survivor. I don't feel like I'm surviving at all. I don't see a future here. It feels like this is going to keep happening to me. What good am I? I'm not good enough. I have this sign on my head that says it's okay to assault me. On and on and on it went on top of the argument with my husband. And it wasn't until I went to put the letter into an envelope that, that something inside of me told me to reread the letter, which I did. And in rereading the letter, I recognized the deeper power and strength within me and that I really truly was meant for so much more and that there was infinite possibilities in front of me, even though I didn't feel like there was. And I felt like there was no hope. I saw clearly that there was truly light at the end of this dark tunnel, and I could begin to move toward that light and learn how to move through the trauma and live with it and not become it. And that required years, actually, of therapy and coaching and sharing my story and talking with others, whether they had experienced some of the same or similar things or not, and it allowed me to recognize that the the illusion that I had created around the traumas was that it meant I wasn't good enough, and I wasn't worthy, and I wasn't lovable, because look at what happened to me. Look at how I have survived these horrible things. But the truth is, it's also the same for having lost Pie and Princess. It just was different in how it showed up in my life. In that way, I didn't internalize it so much toward myself and say I was not a good person or I was worthless or unlovable. I internalized it by being angry at my parents and by feeling frustrated that they didn't trust my own judgment, which then caused me to doubt my own judgment down the road in many other ways throughout my life, up until that point where I really began to dismantle the illusion. So I did experience trauma, as you might have. And it is very real. And all of the the parts of it that you have experienced may be playing out over and over in your mind or in your belief systems, in your heart, in your feelings about yourself or others. And I would just love to invite you to consider that it could be that there has been a story and a narrative and a kind of an illusionary bubble that you have put or been taught to put around that trauma That kind of keeps it in play. You know, those beach balls? Like sometimes you go to the beach and you see people on the beach who are playing with one of those inflatable kind of beach balls, and they're just, you know, or at a concert, right? And and they're just kind of throwing it around in the air and it's just jumping from one person to the next. That's kind of what happens when we kind of put a bubble around our trauma. The difference is that we're usually the only ones that are juggling that that bubble ourselves. And sometimes we kind of give it to another by venting about it, by talking about it, by trying to share it and work through it. But ultimately, we always take that ball back and we kind of carry it and tuck it neatly inside ourselves. And it affects the mind body, the spirit body, and the emotional body in, in very powerful ways. From a, from a physical perspective, living through trauma, traumatic experiences and then kind of revisiting them and reliving them creates neurochemical and biochemical fluxes and changes in your physical body and brain. And we can feel that in our body Like with things like depressive thoughts and feelings or anxiety, you feel your heart start beating faster and you feel your breath becoming more shallow and you start to feel shaky. So just like the example of stubbing my toe, I could start to feel very apprehensive about walking past that couch because it doesn't seem like anything I do stops me from ultimately stubbing my toe on that couch corner. So, I could start to feel an aversion toward that couch. I don't want to go anywhere near there because I might get hurt again. It might cause me pain. It's the same as if I looked at the assaults that I experienced and I generalized that to all men because all of my perpetrators were men. If I had generalized that to all men, then I would have missed out on getting married the first time and having my son and while he and I did divorce and I did spend time alone before I met my current husband I would have lost out on the last 21 years with my my current husband and the beauty and the joy that we've had together in our lives because I would have generalized the distrust and the fear to all men and honestly people have asked me that through my life how did you not become a drug addict how did you not become that stereotype of a trauma survivor of a of a rape survivor who you know is can be that crack smoking prostitute who hates men and distrusts the world and i i didn't have an answer for that for many years and as i dismantled the illusions myself i came to the awareness that that four-year-old me, that divine part of me who spoke to me that day in front of the mirror with the letter and implored me to recognize that I was meant for so much more and that anything was possible, that same divine part of me held on through the years and taught me that not only was I not my traumas, but that I could overcome them in a way where I could live with them and walk with them and be this survivor and thriver and experiencer, but not be reliving the pain of it. And that was the singular thing that kept me from becoming someone who went down a path of self-destruction. All right, so let's take, you know, something that is traumatic, but not as traumatic well, gosh, see, I don't even like saying that because saying it like that makes it sound like one is more traumatic than another. And again, trauma can be anything, it can be suffering through an illness, it can be suffering through an injury. I remember I was hiking in Sedona about 10 years ago. And when I stepped off of a rock ledge, two feet down to the next little ledge, the way I landed on my right leg, my right foot, I created an Achilles tendon tear. I tore my Achilles tendon and it was incredibly painful, but I was hiking by myself and it was about three o'clock in the afternoon and it was in November. So it was getting a bit chillier and I had two choices as bears had been seen in the area I was too high up for a gurney and I was too low for a helicopter. And so I had to look at that and say, well, shit, I'm in a lot of pain, but I'm on this mountain by myself and I cannot get the, the optional help I need by way of, let's say a helicopter or an ambulance. And it's going to get dark soon and it's getting chillier. I got to get the fuck off this mountain. And so adrenaline kicked in and norepinephrine kicked in and cortisol kicked in because my survival was at risk. And I got myself off the mountain and I actually then drove myself back to my hotel area and got some bandages and things like that to wrap my leg because I didn't know what was wrong. I thought maybe i just sprained something. That was very traumatic because in that moment, I had this choice of giving up and giving into this pain or being resilient as I talked about last week and saying, no matter what, I'm going to move through this even if there is this kind of trauma associated with what has just happened. And I could have created a whole story around it. What if I die? What if a bear gets me? What if I don't get off the mountain? And instead I just put my head down I allowed my physical body to work for me, even through the pain, and I got myself off the mountain. I could have gone over and over that story as I retold it after that and just stayed kind of in the trauma of it. I can't believe this happened to me. Why did this happen to me? My life was going along just great. Why all of a sudden is this happening? Well, again... That could be part of like what I talked about last week with attachments and letting go, where maybe I was even attached to illness or struggle or pain or injury as a way to kind of keep me safe. But clearly this injury wasn't going to keep me safe at the, at the moment because it was November and there were bears around and it was cold or colder. I mean, there was a lot at stake, right? so it's like, how do you move through? How do you first recognize that there's an illusionary nature to the trauma when the trauma is very real? You have experienced something that has caused you great pain on some level, Well, whether it's in the mind, body, or soul. There may be a tremendous loss that you are dealing with or have dealt with. And it's like, how, how do I move through that? So let's take an example that is a little bit more common unfortunately and that's with children and I don't necessarily mean a child's age but your children of parents where the parents have been not very affectionate and not very demonstrative with their love maybe they've never said i love you or i'm proud of you and This child grows up, whether they're a child, a teenager, or an adult, grows up to feel very traumatized by the constant judgment and criticism of the parents of their lack of love, of their lack of kind of emotional and and mental support. And maybe there was even physical abuse as well, or physical anger that expressed through destructive ways, right? Right. And you feel traumatized by that. How do you, I mean, it was all very real and it happened. So how do you begin to move through that and see the illusionary nature of it? Well, what if you started to look at the parent or the parents, the caregiver, as someone who clearly was in a lot of pain themselves that led them to make those decisions because they thought they were doing the right things by their children at the time what if they were so hurt and you know a lot of people feel very broken and flawed and damaged by their their childhoods or the some of the experiences they've had growing up and what if that you recognize that they were doing the best they could and they loved the best way they know how. It may not be the way you wanted them to love you or to express their love for you or to show you that they cared, but they were doing the best they could. What if when you look at your life and the traumatic experiences you've had, in order to see the illusions you break it down a little bit more and go, you know what? I've survived this. I'm past this. I am this good person. Even if you don't always believe that about yourself, write down all of the things that you have done in your life that you would say were good things. I'm kind to the clerk at the grocery store. I'm kind to the gas station attendant. When I see someone struggle with bags, I go over to help them pick them up or carry them. I open doors for people. I say hello. I see children who are in pain, and I want to just hug them and take care of their boo-boo and their pain. When I see an animal who is suffering or, or being abused, I get angry, and I want to hurt the people that are hurting these precious little creatures. The point is, is that there are a lot of ways that you can prove to yourself that you have survived and even thrived past whatever traumatic experiences you've been through. And yet, if we all keep telling the stories about the trauma as a victim, right, that I was this victim of this stuff, and it's, yes, it's not my fault, and it was horrible, and You know, look at me that I experience this horrible stuff and feel bad for me and feel, you know, sad for me and be kinder to me because I experience this stuff. The problem is we're going to remain in kind of that victim mindset. And when we have a very strong mindset, it affects the physical, emotional, mental, psychological, and even the spiritual body. And so to begin moving through the illusion of trauma is to look at it for what it is. It was something that occurred. So, for example, with my assaults specifically, I look at the assaults not as an assault on my emotional, mental, spiritual, or psychological body. I look at the assault as as an assault on my physical body only. It was sex. And really for him, it was about power and control. It wasn't really about sex. Rape usually isn't about sex. It's usually about power and control. And for the four men who felt it okay to do the things they did to me, it was about power and control for them. So when I recognized that, that this was about power and control for them, and it had nothing to do with me as Susan, it had everything to do with the circumstance and the opportunity and their need to gain power and control in that moment that led them to believe that these things were okay to do. When I recognized that, I was able to dig within, to a place of deeper compassion and empathy, that I looked at them through a different lens, a different set of eyes. And now I saw them as extremely hurt men, extremely sad men, as men who must have gone through so much pain in their own lives, that they truly believed this was okay to behave this way. And when that happened, I had started to really, without knowing it even, I started to dismantle the illusion of the trauma. Yes, I did experience six sexual assaults, but it did not, it was no longer, I should say, defining me. I was no longer giving my power away to that trauma and staying in the victim mindset that says, hey people, hey world, look at me, I'm this victim of this. That's why I don't even really even say survivor anymore at all for the purposes of today I did, but I don't really even see myself at all as even a survivor or a thriver of six sexual assaults. I see myself as an experiencer of those assaults at a time in my life when I could not reconcile what had happened but I came to understand and find a place of compassion and love and forgiveness for those men and their actions. And, you know, during the nine year old time frame after assault number four, and I, I know I've shared this before, when the police came to talk to me, the detectives, it triggered up this whole piece that i am not being believed i am this person of truth and honesty to the best of my ability and i'm sharing the details of this these experiences and they're basically telling me that they've already put his story through a lie detector machine which again i have explained before they told me was a box that you take a story on a piece of paper and you put it into the machine, and there's a green and yellow light on the top of the machine. And if the green light comes up, the story is truth. And if a yellow light comes up, the story is a lie. And that they had already put his story into the quote-unquote machine, and that his story came up as green, which meant truth, therefore I must be lying. Now, that Those couple of exchanges with the detectives at nine years old were very traumatic for me. But I didn't really see it as traumatic until later because the truth was what it triggered and instilled in me back then, which I came to understand years and years later and have still dealt with some of the remnants of even recently this year, was that I had to prove Who I say I was. I had to prove what I say is the truth for me, and I had to prove who I am and who I say I am, and that I might not be believed. Because these people who I looked up to as authority figures, as people who were supposed to protect me and keep me safe, were clearly calling me a liar and basically threatening my parents that if they kept pushing the issue for full prosecution, they would be forced to have to look at the environment that Susie lives in and see if it's an appropriate environment for her to live in. And all my parents heard was that they're going to take their daughter away. So I didn't know that then. But when my mother told me that many years later, that was also traumatic because I was like, fuck, how dare they threaten my parents with taking me away and acting like I'm this troubled kid and this little liar, when clearly we had physical evidence that it happened. And it happened not once, but three times. Whatever. It's in the past, right? The the, the reason that I wanted to share that piece more specifically, and again, I hope that none of this is triggering you, please, please. Know that if it is, it, you, you may stop the podcast, of course. Please reach out to someone. And I invite you to take a look at what is the trigger really about? Is it triggering your fear? Is it triggering thoughts about yourself? Is it triggering something within you that is saying something about you or who you are? And, and get some help for that. Because trauma can be very simple and can be very complex for people. And it can create a, and wreak a lot of havoc on your life if you are struggling to understand the trauma from you know very specific places and you're struggling to move through it and basically let it go, learn to, as I always say, walk with it instead of being defined by it. So one of the questions that I always asked myself when I looked back on not just the assaults, but some of the other traumatic experiences I've had in my life were, again, all boiling down to the meaning that I had learned to give something. And I would ask myself, what meaning am I giving this experience? Oh, that I'm a survivor, that I'm a victim, that I'm damaged, that I'm broken, that I'm flawed, that there's something wrong with me, that I deserve this, that I'm not worthy of happiness or joy because look at what I've experienced. I would ask myself those kinds of questions and inquire deeper as to whether or not those pieces were really in play for me because I had to begin to see the trauma through a different lens. And I just, I don't want to sound, you know, super like, la-la land here, like, oh, just send it all love and light and the trauma will be transformed. The truth is, I will always be someone as Susan Desenzi who has experienced six sexual assaults in her life. The only difference now is that I have learned much more quickly how to detach myself to the meanings of the stories and the narratives that I tell about that trauma. I might be sharing specific details here on the podcast today, and I might share you know, other details in other venues and in other situations, but I don't have any emotional connection to them anymore. I, I wrote a chapter in a book about six years ago, And the title of that chapter was called, It's a Matter of Trust. And I specifically talked about the last assault, the one when I was 28 years old, that was very violent, and I did not believe I would live to see my then two-year-old son grow up. And by the end of the chapter, I talked about how I had learned to come to a place where I saw that assault and the other experiences as gifts and i had truly reached a place of forgiveness and i want to share that what's interesting about that chapter is that this was just 6 years ago and when i wrote this chapter and in the in the chapter i talk about only being a four-time sexual assault survivor because there were two instances that i didn't even consider as assault and the first one was the 5-year-old incident And then the second incident was one of the three that happened when I was nine. And it was because I blamed myself. I took on the responsibility for what had happened, and I thought it was all my fault. So I didn't and couldn't see them as assault because I thought I had brought it on. And so as I did some work with my own therapist at the time about that issue, because it was surprising to me. He said, well, why did you write four times? And I'm like, well, because I was assaulted four times. He's like, you were assaulted six times. And I'm like, how do you figure? And he brought up the other two instances, and I'm like, oh, yeah, but that was my fault. And that opened up a whole discussion about how I was still taking the responsibility and the blame for what someone else had done and thought was okay to do and how it was somehow my fault, therefore it didn't count. And so I would invite you to not discount any experience you might have had that you see as traumatic as being anything other than how you are perceiving it, which is that it was traumatizing to you. It has been difficult for you to emotionally, mentally, psychologically, spiritually, or physically manage it. And what that means then is that in order to break down the illusionary nature of that narrative and those stories that are creating that struggle, you need to reach out and take a look at how to begin moving through that. And sure, you can absolutely do it on your own. Well, my question to you then at this point would be, why haven't you already? And if you have, beautiful. I am so excited and glad to hear that you have potentially moved through something you perceived as traumatic on your own very well and it no longer defines you. That's awesome. And give yourself a huge pat on the back for that because it's not easy to do. But if you haven't moved through it, and if you're still seeing it as traumatic, and you're still seeing it very in a, in a victim mindset, and it's still creating negative thoughts and feelings for you, and it's adding to challenges in your life, or it's creating anxieties or depression, then please do reach out to those that can help you begin to see it as the illusion that it is. Because we have all been taught that we're victims. And I can assure you, you're not a victim. You may have experienced something, but you do not have to live in the victim mindset that says somehow you are helpless and there is no hope for ever moving through this. I know that this episode hasn't been necessarily chock full of all these very specific kinds of ways to move through trauma. But again, I want to be very, very careful because I don't know the trauma you've been through. And so one thing might work for one person and it might not be so helpful for someone else. So the bottom line is, ask yourself if you are your trauma, ask yourself, where are you taking the blame and the responsibility for the trauma and internalizing it? as a definition of who you are, and if you didn't have this trauma hanging over you in your past, do you feel and think your life would be different? And if so, how? And write that down for yourself or record it on your phone, but but put it somewhere in a written or verbal format that you can either read back or listen back to. And when you read it back or listen back to it, Work to listen to it or read it back through the eyes of just an outside observer and see if you would come to a different conclusion. And then if you're still struggling, write down all the things that you know are good about you and all the ways that you have maybe helped to impact others or have had an impact on others. And I hope that you'll be surprised by all of the beauty of you because trauma does not define you. It is simply an illusion for us to move through when we're ready to dismantle it. Again, if you need any help, please reach out, susan at susandescenzi.com, and I would be honored to walk with you in this journey to move through the illusion of trauma. I hope you have a fully spiritually expressed week, being the divine being you are and standing in your true power, and I'll see you next week. Ciao for now. You've been listening to The Spiritually Expressed Human, where conformity is not an option, getting out of the box is critical, and spiritually expressed means becoming the badass of your life while attaining freedom and inner peace. If you're ready to start that process, go to susandescenzi.com and click on the free gift tab to get started. You can also get the link in the show notes. Thank you for being here. And if you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe on your platform of choice. Until next time, be the spiritually expressed badass you are meant to be.